This is three days of prayer and fasting. This week, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Tuesday evening in here, Wednesday evening in here, Thursday at two o'clock uh, with Taffy. Anyone that's free during the day time, just come and pray with us. And we're praying about joy. God knows our world needs uh, some joy. And we as God's people, we are the ones who hold that joy and are called to share it with others. Is it possible to be joyful in our current political turmoil? Well, the Bible says absolutely yes, because our joy is not dependent on our circumstances. Our joy uh, is dependent entirely on the presence of the Lord. And once we give our lives to Jesus, nothing can separate us from the Lord. So yes, we can be joyful, and we're going to be joyful this week as we think through uh, a song of joy, the Psalm 33, which we're going to be looking at this morning as well. Um, Philippians 1, which talks about partnership in the gospel. That's gospel joy. Uh, and then in Hebrews 12, as we fix our eyes and on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, we're going to be thinking about future joy as well. So come and join us. Get one of these leaflets, read the scriptures, pray with us, whether at home or, or with us here. This month we're thinking about what next, Lord? This morning, we just want to focus on this psalm of joy in Psalm 33. So if you have a Bible, look it up. If not, just uh, follow along. And if you'd like a Bible, come and see me afterwards and I'll give you one for free. Psalm 33, sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with a harp. Make music to him on the ten-stringed lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars, he puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord, let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be, he commanded and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations, he thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever, the purposes of his heart through all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all who considers everything they do. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. And we're going to say the last two verses together. We wait and hope for the Lord. Amen. 
In him our hearts rejoice. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord. Amen. So last week, uh, as we were waiting on the Lord, we looked at the, uh, the story of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus and the different ways they encountered the Lord and waited on him. We thought about Mary, who was always sitting at the Lord's feet. And then we thought about Martha, who went face to face with Jesus. And then we thought about Lazarus, who was always lying down, reclining or dead before the Lord. <laughs> and how he encountered and heard from God too. And uh, after the service, Sue Judd came up and spoke to me and, and shared a little word that she felt the Lord was just putting on her heart for the church. So I've invited Sue just to come forward and share that now. Thanks, Sue. So our granddaughter, Zipporah, goes to a nursery called Imagine. It's a brilliant name for a nursery, and I love it. And I was in the car with her and Lucy last weekend, and she kept repeating, Imagine, 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 and I couldn't understand it, but Lucy interpreted it. And she had to tell her, we are not going to imagine and my heart sunk. I thought, how can you tell a child not to imagine? And on Sunday, the question was, what next, Lord? And what came to mind was, imagine. Imagine if. Imagine whatever. Imagine what God can do. What next, Lord? And the verse that came with this was Matthew 18:3, And he said, truly I tell you, Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So I looked at what imagine means. It has two meanings. Form a mental image or concept of, visualize, picture, see in the mind's eye. But it also means presume, expect, take for granted, take it as given. So when we take time to imagine what next, Lord, for us as individuals or as a church, then we need to come as little children to dream big dreams and dare to imagine all that God has in hand for us, has already prepared for us, and take it as given. That's, that's brilliant, Sue. Thank you very much. And, you know, when we become grown-ups... Sometimes we talk ourselves out of our dreams, but little children don't do that. They just believe in faith, and I, I think that's a real word for us as we go into this week and as we go into the future. Let's say, let's allow our imaginations to be infused with the, the guidance of the Holy Spirit uh, so that we might do what the Lord's called us to do and to be bold and courageous, whatever that might be. And isn't it wonderful that little Zipporah is speaking into our lives uh, today. That little one who we've prayed for over the last few years and whose life God has preserved, there she is speaking into uh, the lives of his people. Isn't that a wonderful echo of prayer? It's just lovely. God wants to engage <coughs> our creative imaginations. And he's eternally prompting us to sing a new song. In essence, God's message of love doesn't change, but he's always communicating it to us in a fresh and new way because that's the kind of God he is. He is endlessly creative and he calls us 
as people made in his image, to be endlessly creative too. We have to carry on singing a new song and, and we're blessed with such talented worship leaders in this church, aren't we? Uh, always bringing new songs to us so that we can worship the Lord in our own language of the day. So as I was praying about how we wait on the Lord, the thing that impressed on me was another prayer. Last week we prayed, what next, Lord? This week, I want us to be praying, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Now, did you know that that's the last prayer in the Bible? It's right at the end of the book of Revelation. Right at that end of that wonderful letter and picture of worship in heaven, Jesus says to John, who the, the revelation was giving to, yes, I am coming soon. And he replies, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Now, not everyone believes it was the Apostle John that wrote the revelation, but that's what the early church believed, and I believe that too. And if you compare this gospel with the book of Revelation, what you have is two letters filled with devotion to the Lord. One earthed in John's gospel when Jesus was here, and one when he was raised up to heaven, when he was caught up into heaven to see Jesus, the Son of Man, in heaven. So John has this wonderful advantage and blessing to pass on to the church. He's seen the Son of Man on earth doing his work here, right in front of him, but also in heaven. He's been up there and he's seen the joy of the Lord that infuses heaven. And so he finishes the book of Revelation with that cry of prayer, come, Lord Jesus, Maranatha. That word Maranatha is an Aramaic word that's only found once in the Bible in 1 Corinthians 16 at the end of Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. But the ethos of that word or the meaning of that word is simply come, Lord, or the Lord has come. And so John ends the last book in the Bible as it turned out to be with these words, come, Lord Jesus, come soon, Lord Jesus. And so as we think about that and as we think about waiting on the Lord, let's just take a few moments to hone in to the end of this psalm. One of the devotional practices which I use uh, regularly, in which I commend to you, is to take little chunks of scripture that in our old age we're still able to memorize. And for me, that's about six lines. And, and so at the end of Psalm 33, we have this wonderful summation of what it's like to wait in the Lord. And, and if we use uh, little chunks of scripture devotionally, God can really use them to speak into our lives as we go about our daily business. So I thought just for a few moments this morning, we take the end of Psalm 33 and focus in on, on these beautiful words. And hopefully as we do so, and as we go away from here, you can take them into your week and allow the Lord to speak into your life as you wait on him. So we wait and hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. One of the things that strikes me about the church today is that we're no longer looking for the Lord to return. Maybe that shocks you. But as I watch the church, 
I'm certain that something's changed there. Because as I grew up, the church was more expectant of the Lord's return than the church is today. And I don't think that's a good thing for us. Perhaps we've become complacent. Perhaps we've become comfortable in our faith. But it's never good when the church stops watching and waiting for the Lord to return. So we must recover that sense of anticipation of the Lord's return. Robert Alter, who's a poet and has also translated the Psalms, translates this first line like this. We urgently wait for the Lord. Our help and shield is he. Now that's an interesting combination of words, isn't it? How can you urgently wait? It seems like a contradiction. But actually it's not. Because God calls us to wait and watch for him and for his return. That's what Jesus was saying to John at the end of the book of Revelation. I'm coming soon. And John says, yeah, I'm watching for you, Lord Jesus. I am urgently watching for you. And that's what we should do as well. Not just for the future, not just for the Lord's return, but also for our daily lives. We have to be watching for the Lord constantly. Now, what does that look like for us today? Well, we've just simply to call out for him, to help and shield us. That's what it says in the psalm. We wait and hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In Mark's gospel, chapter 10, Jesus is, he's either going into or coming out of Jericho, but there's a blind man by the side of the road, and his name is Bartimaeus. And he hears that Jesus is passing by, and he sees his chance. He sees his opportunity. Who knows how long he'd been sitting beside the road, but here comes Jesus now. And so he starts to call out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And the people around him tell him to be quiet and shush, but he's not going to be stopped. And he keeps saying it, and he keeps saying it, Son of David, have mercy on me. And so Jesus tells him to call him over. Uh, And he says, what do you want me to do for you? And he says, I want to receive my sight. And he receives his sight, and he follows Jesus along the road. Bartimaeus needed help because he was helpless. And we too find ourselves in situations where we are just completely helpless and we don't know what to do or we're not, we don't have the power or the influence or the resources to help ourselves, just like Bartimaeus couldn't make himself see. And so one of the things we do when we wait in the Lord is just ask him to help us. So whatever situation you're in and you feel helpless in, the Lord says to you today that I've come to help you. What would you like me to do for you today? Bring your concerns, your needs, the things that you just can't cope with to the Lord and ask him to help you today because he is a friend to the helpless. Then we can ask the Lord to be our shield, our protection. And that makes me think of of the woman in John's Gospel, chapter 8, who'd been caught in adultery and the religious leaders had grabbed her and taken her to Jesus to catch him out. 
uh, because their law at that time said such a person should be stoned to death. And they wanted to see what Jesus would do. It's interesting that uh, they wanted Jesus to judge her. And, and we're often like that, aren't we? We're quite happy for Jesus to judge other people. But what happened was that Jesus turned around and judged them. And so we should be careful when we're judging other people. In fact, the Bible tells us not to. Don't judge and you won't be judged. And if we do go around judging people, uh, you can be sure God will turn around and judge us. And that's what happened in this story. Because Jesus says, well, let the first person who hasn't sinned throw the first stone. And of course, none of them could do that. And neither can we. So let's not judge. And if someone's out there judging you and you need that protection, ask the Lord to be your shield this week. Ask him to put a hedge of protection around you so that you will not be harmed by anything that's been fired your way. Because the Lord loves you and he wants to be your shield. He is a shield to the defenseless. So if you feel defenseless, this morning. You've come to the right place. You've come to the right person. You've come to the Lord Jesus Christ who will protect you if you simply ask. And so we pray, come Lord Jesus. We wait and hope for you, Lord. You are our help and shield. The psalm goes on, in him our hearts rejoice for we trust in his holy name. The presence of the Lord brings us joy. That's what we're going to be thinking about this week at prayer and fasting on Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. And I did a, a little word study on the word joy. This week it's really easy to do word studies in the Bible now. It used to be you had to get a big book out and plow your way through it. And now you just get your phone out and go to biblegateway.com and punch the word in. And when I punched joy into biblegateway.com, it came up 241 times. And, and so I read them all. And invariably, when you read about the word joy in the Bible, it comes with the presence of the Lord. And I thought, wow, isn't that interesting? The presence of the Lord brings us joy. Not what we've got or what we'd like to have, we may pursue happiness, but that won't bring us joy. In fact, someone sent me a picture of Jeff holding a book this week, and it was called Joy, and underneath it, it said, because happiness isn't enough. And do you know what? That's true. You know, we might find happiness for an instant or a while, but it won't bring us joy because it's the Lord who brings us joy? And that's a deep down joy that no one or nothing can rob us of because it comes from the presence of the Lord. So what's this about trusting in his holy name? Well, the name we, we find repeated continuously in this psalm is the Lord, capital L-O-R-D in our English Bibles. But if that was written in Hebrew this morning, it would say Yahweh. That is the Hebrew name for Lord. And, and we encounter it, first of all, in Exodus chapter 3, when Moses comes across the presence of the Lord 
and he tells him to go to his people in Egypt. And he says, who are you? Why should I do what you're telling me to do? And he said, I am who I am. That's what Yahweh means. God says to Moses, and he said through the psalm to his people then, and he says to us now, I am who I am. Or in other words, all that I am, I am for you. All that God is, he is for us because he gives of himself to us. He has given all of himself in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to us. I am who I am. All that I am, I am for you. And that's why we get joy in our lives because knowing the Lord is the most beautiful thing we can ever have in this whole wide world, in our entire existence. Joy comes from the Lord. And it's his presence that makes us sing. And human beings just have to sing, don't we? Whether we know the Lord or not, we want to sing. And that's, I think that's uh, in our makeup. Because as, as we were just sharing with Richard this morning, the Lord sings over us and we sing back to him. Uh, Walter Brueggemann, great Old Testament um, theologian, says this about Psalm 33. Praise is a powerful antidote to every temptation, to autonomy and self-sufficiency. When we praise God, we get our lives in true perspective. We realize that we can't do everything ourselves. We cannot be self-sufficient. We need the Lord to help us and we need the Lord to bring us that joy that we are actually searching for. Isn't that a tragedy that as our nation walks away from the Lord, that everything our nation is looking for can be found in the Lord? Particularly, it's joy. So uh, here in this psalm, it unpacks who God is, who is Yahweh. Well, uh, first of all, his presence fills our creative imaginations. As Sue was saying earlier, God is creator. Yahweh is our creator. He created Everything by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, the starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world, world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Every Thursday morning at 11.15, we gather as a staff team to talk and pray and think about our church services and how we can worship God well. And uh, almost every Thursday, I say the same thing to our staff as we gather. Welcome to the Creative Powerhouse, formerly known as the Staff Meeting. <laughs> because we go to meetings after meetings, don't we? And they can get a bit much for us. And church Sunday comes around every week. And it's hard sometimes to 
continually be creative and do something new. But that's forgetting the God that we worship because he is endlessly powerful and creative. And if we come to him, he will fill our imaginations with different ways for us to live and joy in our worshiping lives, whether it's gathered together or whether it's out there in the world, wherever we are. God fills our creative imaginations to do our jobs well, to worship the Lord well, and to care for one another well. Because he is our creator. He is Yahweh. His presence also blesses those who trust in his holy name. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all who considers everything they do. Now there's a sobering thought for us and our nation. But God wants to bless us. He doesn't want to judge us. He wants to bring his goodness to us. And so it's important that we learn as God's people individually and also corporately. And also, dare I say, as a nation, to look to the Lord for his blessing. And God knows our our nation needs our prayers. Today, as we seem to be split down the middle politically about the way forward, for our relationship with Europe. We need to be praying for our nation and praying for one another and praying for our leaders that our nation will repent and turn to the Lord because it's in the Lord God that we find our direction and where we are going. So shall we just stop for a moment and pray for our country? Lord, we rejoice in your name today because we are reminded by this psalm that you're in charge You are sovereign, and you love our nation, and you love Europe too, and you love our world, and you love every person in this room. Uh, So, Lord, we dare to repent on behalf of our nation today. Lord, cleanse us from our sin. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the Lord Jesus, who saves us and blesses us and turns us around and points us in the right direction. And so we pray for that for our leaders, not just of our nation, but of all over our world, Lord. We pray that they will repent and turn to you and seek your wisdom and guidance today. Amen. Amen. And so we pray, come Lord Jesus, and you, our hearts rejoice, for we trust in your holy name. And may your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. The presence of the Lord brings us love that never fails. That's what it says here. God's love's an unfailing love. That means it doesn't fail. Sometimes our love fails. Sometimes the love that people has for us fails. But God's love never fails. Of that we can be sure. It says here in the psalm, the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love. 
I've invited uh, Jane Condon just to uh, pray during the week and just come and share a word for the church this morning. So I'm just going to ask Jane to come and do that now. Thanks, Jane. I brought some visuals, so um, it might be a bit long. Yeah, I've been praying in the week for the church, and I feel like God's been really teaching me recently, uh, or reminding me at least, of something of his love. And he's mostly been doing that through uh, reading a book which I will recommend to you. I've got a few of them with me. We've got teenagers around, so we do. So first of all, I've got this book, the Bible, but this is the one I read when I was a teenager. And what I found really helpful about it was that in the front, it gives us some themes which relate to real life, so it helps us really apply the Bible straight to things that we're going through. So, for example, here it says... If you're angry, maybe you could read these verses right now. Or uh, if you're struggling with appearance, maybe you could read these verses. So that's the first one, which I found really helpful a long time ago. But I still, I still use it, as you can see. It's well used. Then I, I bought this one, which was, is very pretty. I think that's the main reason I bought this one at some point. This was gifted to me not so long ago. And this is a Bible which was bought for me with the intention of Bible journaling. Um, it's got lots of pretty images as well along the way, which at the moment I just use this to bring the Bible to life a little bit through some of the pictures. And then there's this one, which I found very useful recently. It's called Inspire, but I've decided to let go of control a little bit. I actually have painted over the top of uh, the Bible in various ways, but it's really helped me just to remember uh, God's word and therefore apply it to everyday living. So these are just some of the ways which I feel like God's really helped me to take hold of his word. So if you, I guess when I've been praying for you guys this week, I think God just really wants me to remind you guys that you are loved. And if you're struggling to take hold of that truth, then read the Bible, read his word, learn more about him and, and if you struggle with reading if that's something that you find hard to do if it's something that you don't love doing then spend some time with him I like to journal I like to write out my thoughts sometimes get them on page to look back sometimes and remember what God has done or if you find that difficult maybe find a good friend find somebody who you know can journey with you so, so that's one thing I feel like God's really put on my heart and the other thing is that if you know you're loved, and if you know you don't need to be reminded of all this stuff, I would ask, how does he know that you love him? How are you showing that? Obviously he knows, he's, he's all-knowing, but how are you showing that in the way that you live? Is that different? That's, that's been some of my thoughts. Bless you. Thank you, Jane. I've got lots of Bibles too, and I find it really helpful to have different versions, because if you don't understand one, you can always go and figure it out from another one. As I said earlier, if you'd like a Bible, we have a Bible similar to the one Jane started out with, which just points you in the right direction. It tells you where to look, where to start, because it is a big book, and that helps a lot. Jane talked about God loving us, and also um, us letting know, letting God know that we love him too. That's a really important thing to do, and, and the Lord loves it when we do that, even as Jane says that he knows that, he still loves his children to come and tell him that we love him. You know, we know that as parents, don't we? If you're a parent, 
You know how lovely it is when a child or a grandchild comes to you and, and just lets you know that they love you. You know it, but it's wonderful to hear it. And it is the same for God, because we have a God who doesn't forget us. We have a God who pursues us. Uh, in the New Testament, uh, Jesus tells the story of a lost sheep, about a farmer, uh, a shepherd who had 100 sheep. One of them got lost. And so he left the 99 in the field and he went out into the open countryside and searched for that one sheep uh, until he found it. And then he put it on his shoulders and he brought it home and he was rejoicing. And he called his friends and neighbours together and says, come and celebrate with me because this sheep that was lost I've found. And it's the same for us as people. Jesus was telling that story so that we might know that if we were the only one that was lost, the Lord would still have come to find us and bring us back home. Whatever has gone wrong in our lives, whatever has gone wrong in your life, God's love for you is unfailing. And he will pursue you and pursue you and pursue you because he loves you. And so we pray, come, Lord Jesus. May your unfailing love be with us, even as we put our hope in you. Shall we just take a moment to pray? We started our service hearing about Kairos moments uh, from our young people. And as Greg said, to, today can be a Kairos moment for us. We don't need to be young to encounter the Lord. We can encounter him today, right here, right now, through the power of his Holy Spirit. So we pray, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. We pray for that Kairos moment in our lives today as we wait for the Lord. We thank you for your goodness, Lord. We thank you that you are a God who we can put our hope in. That when we cry for help, you come and help. And when we need a shield, you shield us. Thank you that you are that kind of God. We thank you, Lord, that in you our hearts rejoice. It is your presence that brings us joy. And so today we trust afresh in your holy name, Lord God. We thank you that you are our creator. We thank you that you sing over us and that you bring us salvation. And we thank you for that unfailing love that you offer to us right now. And in the silence, we just wait on your salvation, Lord. If you want to encounter the presence of the Lord in, in your heart today, then just say this prayer in your heart with me now. Lord, I wait for you. Fill my life to overflowing with your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you are my creator. You made me and you know my heart. My heart is yours, Lord. Cleanse me from all that's wrong in my life and bring your new life to me today. Fill me with hope. Fill me with your joy and help me to follow you. Amen.